because she came up with the perfect thing for it right there. Hi, everybody. Yeah. We're yeah. Live. Go for it. Hi, we guys. Yeah, we, we have the most fabulous, most beautiful woman with us tonight. Um, but we have to talk about another fabulous, beautiful woman who's in our lives. Yep. Athena. Our Athena. Therapist. Yeah, she's not going to be with us tonight. She's not going to bring us our crystal of the week because she needs her own little healing crystals. And she needs all our love and, and our prayers for a speedy recovery because she just, you know, has to do a little procedure today. So she'll be out of sorts for a while. So we might not even have her next week. You know, so she's got to heal because she's a allowed two weeks off, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. Then we're done. Hi, it's Michelle. Like, okay, then you have to come back. <laughs> but, but you know, so so our other lovely lady, Michelle, is here with us tonight, and she is fascinating. Oh my God, we're gonna learn so much from her. You know, we, even though, you know, we talk a lot about psychics and mediums and this and that and gifts and all these things that we talk about all the time, we have not had a show. No, I don't. In a while. All the years. In all the years, though, on near-death experiences. Yeah. And she's had three. You know? I mean, a lot of people that we know have had them. I've had one, you know, really close. My story is, everyone's story is so different. It's so it's so strange how, how many people have these experiences and the similarities and the very big differences, too. You know? But we're going to be talking about that yeah. with her. So... All that being said, let me play her bio video and then we'll get her on here and I can't wait for you all to meet her. Good evening, I'm Gina B here with Mama D every Thursday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here in the Foxton. Tonight we have Michelle Claire. She is a certified medium, angel intuitive, spiritual coach, energetic healer, intuitive life coach, and three-time near-death experience, or NDE, survivor. She receives messages from loved ones who have crossed over, as well as angels and life guides. In a span of 11 years, she has had those three near-death experiences. The first was in April of 2000, the second was in May 2006, and then a monumental, life-changing event in which Michelle suffered a traumatic brain injury on November 1st, 2011. Shortly after this life-altering event, she started receiving information for other people from their loved ones who had transitioned. All three NDEs were a reminder of an unconditional love and connection that surpasses our earthly life. During readings, Michelle is divinely guided by the client's spirit team to lovingly empower, direct, provide comfort and hope for each individual. She is known for giving factual information, personality traits, characteristics, and validations of signs that loved ones are sending. She helps each person she reads to raise their vibration, clear their energy, and understand that they are not living alone. Michelle has been featured in Craig McMahon's documentaries, Life to Afterlife, I Died, Now What?, and Life to Afterlife, Death and Back, Chapter 3. She is in negotiations with Netflix for an upcoming documentary. As a certified evidential medium, Michelle often works with the Helping Parents Heal organization and has been a guest on numerous podcasts such as Coast to Coast AM Radio with George Norrie and A Matter of Life and Death with Arizona Bell. And now we welcome Michelle to the Fox Den. 
here she is. Hello, Michelle. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. You're, you're yeah. quite an inspiration. You've gone through a lot. And as we all just saw in that, that bio video, the two Netflix series, if you guys really, you should watch those series. Her, her stories are amazing, but so is everybody else's that are on there. Oh my gosh, really, really fascinating stuff. Now, Craig is, Craig is a, he's, he's, he's very curious, Craig. He wants to know all this stuff. So he, you know, and he puts just the right questions out to you guys, you know, and you all get to answer them. And it's really amazing. So again, just to, just for you guys to see that, I'll put this picture up right here. Okay. These are the series. All right. So life to afterlife. I died. And now what? Okay. Life to afterlife, death and back chapter three, just uh, YouTube or, or Netflix, um, just go watch them, okay? Because you, you'll be impressed. And hello, everybody that's coming into the chat room. If you have questions for Michelle, please feel free, okay? And she said she's not opposed to, to you know, more of a mediumship question to here or there. You know, it's not Pamela, okay? But, you know, just, just putting that out there. Now, all that being said, Mom, are you excited as I am? I'm I'm getting choppy you know my canadian internet and my mm -hmm. oh, new no. computer really soon i hope so just yeah she's yeah. got one on order she's got one on there so so mama mama it's like you know we're, we're praying for you too you and um i just let's just hope that the the, the, the tablet does not fall over tonight and that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff happens but you know, right before the show i was just telling michelle something and she came up with the answer just like this. Today, I was going through this. Um, I woke up with this high anxiety feeling, ears ringing like crazy. And and um, after my near-death experience, as when I have these tones that I hear, uh, low, medium, and high tones when a spirit is near me. But this was different. This, I mean, because I, I just got done doing a Z-pack in steroids. So I thought that I'm like, maybe I'm getting sick again, you know? But... It was like I couldn't breathe and I had high anxiety and all this stuff. But I found out this afternoon that my mom got taken away in an ambulance today to the hospital and she was having a reaction to some medication. She couldn't breathe. That's why she went and all this stuff. So my spirit guides and what did you call it? Quantum. Oh, quantum entanglement. We, so in life, we are quantum entangled with people that we are closest to. And your mom would be very natural for that. Yeah. That's right? true. And she, and she came up with that like that. I was like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. This is uh, this was my my former psychic co-host right there, Chris George. It's um, Pookalicious. Yeah. Pookie. <laughs> that's what he's called, Chris George. He's a fabulous psychic too. But, you know, but once I found out she was okay and she was actually home, all this stuff went away. And it was just the most craziest thing because that has never happened to me like that. Like that ringing was so different. You know, and I'm going, my spirit guides are trying to tell me something. I don't know what it is, but but I was having such a hard time breathing and I'm doing all my breathing things and everything. And I'm like, I should be breathing. I should be breathing. Should <laughs> but, be. Yeah. Yeah. So right, I'm going to shut up. And I want to know about your near-death experiences. Like after like the first one in 2006, right? tell us that story and what happened to you then. Okay. Yeah. The, actually, the first one was in April 2000. 2000. Oh, 2000. That's right. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. 
two, two thousand. Yeah. yeah, I want to get to the, to the last one last. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah, we'll go in order here. Thing of, yeah, bigger thing of that. Yeah. Well, I'll start a little bit because this is part of the story. My mediumship ability started probably earlier in life, but I didn't notice it until I was 12 when my grandfather passed away. And I noticed we were still talking and having communication and I'd share that with my mom and my mom would say, well, I think that's what you think grandpa would say if he was still here. And I would say, mm, I think he's still saying that, but I just, kinda, you know, I just kind of, okay, I'll, I'll keep this between me and grandpa. It was just for us. Mom didn't want to hear. So, okay. So that's kind of when things started. And then in April, 2000, I was at the hospital that day. My sister-in-law had given birth to our niece. So we were there visiting her. And I was out in the hallway talking to an RN who happened to be my friend from high school. And I had this massive seizure. And what I remember is waking up, opening my eyes, and I was laying with my head in my grandma's lap. And my grandma had passed away a couple of years before that. And I was just laying in this place that felt so loving, so peaceful, no sense of time. I felt 100% complete. And so as I was laying there, I started to notice we were in this room. All the walls were white. They were solid and yet not. It was almost like clouds, but solid. And each cell, each molecule in these were radiating light and love and almost like breathing and taking on this own life of, of themselves. And, and isn't it like you, you look at it like, what is going on, right? The yeah. I was kind of in awe. So it wasn't even a curious thing. It was just more like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of that type of feeling, right? And mm. so I looked at my grandma and she was just looking down at me, smiling. And I realized she was like the youngest, healthiest version of herself that I could remember. Um, and as I was looking at her, I looked up next to her. And next to her was this angel that was about 12 feet tall. She was absolutely massive, huge, stunning, radiant, all-encompassing. I mean, it was just like, whoa, <laughs> wow. And as I was looking at her, I went to look for her wings because I wanted to see her big feather wings. I didn't see feather wings. I saw light. And it was like in the shape, kind of like the aurora borealis. It would move. It was iridescent and translucent. And it almost seemed to span eternity. Like it truly never saw the end to her like, wings. Like, like, maybe like an umbilical cord, you know, yeah. attached to everything yes. else. You know? Exactly. The oneness, right? And as I was looking at her, I thought in my head, I thought, what is your name? And she answered me. And I was a little surprised because I didn't know about telepathic communication. And I didn't know she could, she knew what I was thinking. And she, she said her name was Madeline and that she was one of my guardian angels. And I was just really sitting in this space, well, laying, I was laying with my head on my grandma's lap, just enjoying it, soaking it in, um, and no hurry to leave, not worried about one single thing. Um, and the next thing I know, I hear them yelling code, 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 and I'm back in my body. And wow. my body felt so heavy. Like one arm felt like it weighed a hundred pounds. So heavy wow. and so dense. Crazy. That is crazy. So then after you come to and, you know, they tell you what happened, this, this memory stays with you like vivid, like you can just picture it just like it was happened yesterday, right? Absolutely. Like my, my experience, I see it perfectly clear, you know, yeah. 
every time it just it doesn't it doesn't fade it doesn't go away it doesn't go anywhere which is crazy to me because i forget everything else i forget why i walk into a room but that i don't forget right but now did you change at that point like were you that much closer or you know well yeah for me i felt like what happened was it was almost an, an awakening to the angelic realm so i had always believed in angels but i had never necessarily seen one or connected to one at that point in time um and the other thing was i had never felt so loved in my life <clears throat> and so it gave me a new perspective of how loved someone could be and i grew up feeling loved so it wasn't that i grew up feeling unloved I never felt loved to that, you know, extent. Yeah. We get a heart this time. That's my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so with that, I mean, afterwards, it took me a couple of weeks and I told my mom about this experience because it's exactly like you said, it's more vivid than real life. And it's burned mm-hmm. into you more deeply than what you had for breakfast and what you did today. Yeah, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's it truly is a it's a life changing thing, you mm-hmm. know. But but what happens after? It's it's yeah. like that is the thing that will take time. Like oh, because exactly. that happened, now I can sense this. Now I can hear this. Now I can see right. that. You know? And it's like wow, you know. Yeah. yeah. Next, you know. Right. Then your yeah. curiosity starts peaking, and it's like okay, well, you know, if I can do that just because that happened, you know, yeah. what really are we all truly capable of correct it's it we actually will never know in this lifetime because our our potential is limitless yeah and our potential to connect is limitless right so you have to think of yourself as almost the hub of the universe it is all circling around you and you can reach out and get whatever information you want Yes, yeah. Oh, here's Joe. Oh, speaking of, Joe lost his son. Hey, Joe. Hi, Joe. And um, yeah. yeah, he talks to his son all the time. He, you know, yeah. uh, holds vigils for him, goes to his graveside. He's got some fabulous books out there, um, you know, about the subject as well. So, yeah. Maybe we uh, can talk to Joe's son about giving inspiration to somebody's <laughs> guide so that we can get a book going. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say it again. You are so good. Keep getting that in there. (laughs) You know I am. That's that's, that's my job. That's my job. Spirit is so grateful that you are. They really are. I know. (laughs) I know. We keep telling her. It's like, you know, Joe's book too. You know, as soon as you start writing, you just don't stop. It's it's just the getting going. And once you do, it'll be fine. But um, but now let's continue on though, right? Because yes. I don't really want to touch on so many things squirrel. tonight. No, yeah, no, <laughs> always happened. But now let's move on to the second one then. In, okay. In, in two thousand six, and what happened? Yeah. So in two thousand six, I um had had my son. So I had three three little kids at that point in time: a five year old, a two and a half year old, and my son was an infant. I had a lot of complications after I had him. So I was in the hospital the majority of six weeks after I had him because I was running fevers and having an infection. And finally, they said, we need to do a DNC. We're going to, you know, clean out the uterus. You're going to be fine. 45-minute outpatient procedure. Oh, the night before, I just had this, you know, feeling in my stomach that I should not be doing that. But I was so tired of being in the hospital, being sick. They were offering me a pretty quick fix. Um, And so I went. 
even though everything in me said, don't go, don't go. I wish I listened to that too. Oh my gosh, you've got to listen to those instincts because they know. And so I went and I remember talking to the anesthesiologist too. And he said, oh, you know, piece of cake, 45 minutes, all that stuff. I've had anesthesia previous to that surgery. And when I've had it, it's just a blank. There's no memory. There's no dream. There's nothing. It's just a blank. It's gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember counting down for the anesthesiologist and I'm in, and then I'm in, you know, surgery. And at some point I look over during surgery and I see my beautiful white German shepherd who had passed away a couple years previously, walk into the operating room, lay her head on the gurney, look at me like she always did. Every night in life, we would laugh. We'd say, oh, it's Tahoe making her rounds because she would come in and check on everyone while they were sleeping. And the next thing I know, she and I are gone. We're gone. We are on this phenomenal beach. Once again, colors that I have never seen before. Um, Every flower, every plant, every drop of water radiating light and love, and it's alive. And the drops of water are alive and the flowers are alive, much more alive than they are in our earthly realm, like truly alive, right? With their own essence or soul or whatever you would want to call this. I I do think of that Robin Williams movie there, uh, in Dreams They Come, Mm -hmm. I can't yeah. remember the exact name of it, but you know that that vivid painted world that the woman lived in there, kind of like that. Yes, absolutely. And so my beautiful dog Tahoe and I were on the beach and we're running and running. And I notice I can tell that she's happy to see me. Here comes our telepathic communication. She looks beautiful. The sand we're running on. I notice it feels like we're running on clouds, not like on sand. And we run and we run and we run. And then I notice. Hmm. not getting tired, not getting hot, not getting thirsty. And there was nothing there except for the present moment. I have truly never been so present before. It was each step and each breath. That was it. And love and peace and completeness, right? Words that, words actually water down what this situation was. And As we are running on the beach, the kind of the funny thing about this is I often tell people, like, if you see me running, call 911. Like, that's an emergency. <laughs> I do not go running. So here I am in my near-death experience just running for fun, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The human Michelle would have never chose that. Um, right, right. Yeah. During a and- paranormal investigation, I say that if you see me running, you best run. Because I don't yeah. so i'm just on this beach and i'm with her and it's beautiful and i can see there's kind of the island curves down there and i and i kind of feel like oh, i don't think i'm supposed to go around that curve but while i'm with her all of a sudden my son who was six weeks old and at my house with my mom at this point in time is energetically calling to me and i go to him And I can tell that he is scared that I'm getting ready to leave. He's got a long life ahead of him and I'm about to check out. (coughs) And so I say to him, I say, don't worry. I will find a way to stay. I'm not leaving. And I start praying and I start saying, I need help. I'm not ready to go. My children still need me. And Mm -hmm. as that's happening, I feel Jesus come in. I see the operating room light up with this beautiful white healing light. Um, It was kind of golden too. It kind of had like sparkly golden edges on it. Uh, And the next thing I know, I'm waking up and I'm in post-op. 
And so what I find out, I look at the clock on the wall, it's been three and a half hours. My 45 minute wow. procedure turned into an emergency surgery because they ruptured my uterus. They missed my aorta by a millimeter. They couldn't even stitch it. It was too close. And then they, when they had the emergency surgeon in there, my rupture, my uterus got ruptured in a second place too. Yep. You know what? I can, I can relate. I can relate. I went in for a hysterectomy in uh -huh. the morning, had all the same feelings, said, don't go, don't go. But I did, right? Because I was sick of the pain that I was in and everything else. And I go in first thing in the morning. My surgery is scheduled like 8 30, 9 o'clock. Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, hour two tops. You know, by, by noon, you should be, you know, waking up and people can come in. It's 10 o'clock at night, dark. I'm in a room. I'm listening to orderlies are talking, going, ah, yeah, she'll be out till morning. She's been out all day, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this. I'm hearing this talking. I'm like thinking to myself, who the hell are they talking about? You know? Yeah. And uh, and then I I look around. It's pitch black. I'm like, what's going on? You know, why am I still here? Well, what happened is, is they, during the hysterectomy, which was, you know, um, the orthoscopic, whatever, uh, mm -hmm. they nicked my kidney and tore my bladder. <gasps> So they had to stop, right, uh, to finish doing what they could, but mm -hmm. the bladder doctor was nowhere around. So they had to keep me under, wait for the bladder doctor to come in, then have that bladder surgery. So I was like under anesthesia for so long, and then I just wasn't like waking up, you know, and it was just crazy. And, I'm, and, and of course, you know, you signed all those 5,000 papers, so you can't do anything about it either, you know, yeah. but that was a, just, a, a, just a nightmare, you know, but yeah. again, the same thing. You've got to listen to your, you know, those, when those things are telling you, don't go somewhere, don't do this, don't do that, please listen. Those spirit guides are really looking out for, you know, all of us all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I think in hindsight too. If I had postponed it a day or a week, even if I had stayed with the same doctor, it could have been a totally different situation, you know? Yeah. yeah, maybe he had a bad day. Maybe he had too much coffee. Maybe he didn't have enough coffee. Who knows? Maybe he had a fight with his wife. Who right. knows, you know, what happens. But, you know, but just, just always listen. Always mm -hmm. listen. So now when you came back, though, mm -hmm. after this one, what changed in you again? Yeah, so what changed in me this time is I started noticing I was getting more messages. Um but at that time, so it took me four months to get back to even 80% because my body was so such a mess from the pregnancy, the six weeks in the hospital, and then now this trauma, which also they mm -hmm. pushed the infection into my body when they ruptured the uterus, right? So it's not just like, oh, you're fine, go home. No, 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 no. There's a whole other process to that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so... So it took me about four months just to get back to 80% of normal functioning. And I had an infant, a two and a half year old and a five year old, but I noticed I was getting more messages. I knew I was in that place with more love. I knew um, that I was supposed to be here, that I needed to be here, but I couldn't still shift to completely move into the area. I think that they were trying to open for me with that. And when I say mm -hmm. they, I mean spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is so, it's just so crazy. Everyone has all these such different experiences. All the yeah. Time. 
And one of the greatest lessons for me from that experience, though, was that my soul was able to be in multiple places at one time and know multiple things at one time. And that's one thing I tell people in mediumship all the time. Yes, your dad can be with you, your brother, your daughter. Like once you're in spirit, you're not anchored like we are in this human body to being at and one so place bad. at a time. Because yeah, like they have to slow down for us and we have to speed up for them. Right. So yeah. we have our vibrations they have to lower their vibrations they got to slow down because they're like vroom, 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 you know so yeah i can see and plus it's quantum right yeah so you can be everywhere so that that you know it's it's just so fascinating to me but i just think you're going on this progressive thing you know with each time this happened to you mm -hmm. you know so now let's fast forward okay to, to november right yes so yes. what happened? Yeah. Well, for people who like numbers, that was 11111. So there's lots mm -hmm. of ones in there, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. With that, I have 14 foot ceilings in my house. So I was up on a ladder about 12 feet That's off the ground. And I, um, I have candles that turn on every night automatically. You just replace the batteries. They glow for four hours. They turn off all of this. So mm -hmm. my younger two kids were home. They were five and eight at the time. And my oldest was in fifth grade. And I said to them, as soon as I get done putting this candle up, we're going to go get your sister. So I climb up the ladder. I'm getting ready to set the candle back in the little holder. And all of a sudden, I feel the ladder start to shift. And all I could think was, this is going to hurt. And as soon as I thought that, I was literally ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, but in a very fast way, turned around, standing with three people that I did not know, but I felt like I had known them my whole life. I felt like they were family members or something. It was an Asian man, a Hawaiian man, and an Egyptian woman. Wow. And I'm standing here with them. And I look and I see my body and the ladder suspended in the air. And as it's stand, it's like just floating there, they said to me, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I was just sitting here thinking like, this is so crazy because I have forever to decide. They weren't hurrying me. And then at the same time, I was trying to understand how in a second my body was going to hit the floor, but I was in no rush to decide, you know, what I wanted to do. And I was feeling also that wholeness, that completeness, that love, truly the timelessness that comes along with that. And just kind of working through this, like, hmm, this is interesting. What's happening here? As I was looking at my body in the ladder, I saw this other beautiful angel, not the same one from my first near-death experience, come in from the side. And this angel was wearing gold and a very like brilliant or royal red kind of around them also. And I knew as soon as I saw this angel that this angel was here to either take me home or to make things work out so that I could stay. Like I had no doubt. I knew why this angel was there. And so as I was kind of sitting there thinking about what I wanted to do, I could see my younger two kids in the kitchen right there. And I knew I had to stay. And, and yeah, and I don't think I even voiced I choose to stay. It was just known. It was energetically known. And at that yeah. moment that I made that decision, I was downloaded or uploaded, whatever you want to say, with a lot of information. And I don't even think I remember all of it to this day. But it was like, it's great that you're a stay-at-home mom. That's not your only life purpose. We have bigger plans for you. You need to use your gift to help other people. I mean, it was just a bunch of stuff that came in. 
And so, I bet. I yeah. Bet. If you start writing that book, maybe some of that information will come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> You two are something else. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But like you said, one of the things is a lot of the, the information that was downloaded, you don't remember it all. But I found that it's not, you're not going to remember it all now, but as time continues, it will come back to you. Because like, okay, that's when, yeah, got that. When the, it's, it, it'll come down to you when, when it's necessary for you to know. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you're right because as time has gone on from that experience and that's been 10 years going on 11 years now, um, things have been revealed to me throughout that time that I was like, oh, oh yeah. So ex you're exactly yeah, I remember, right with that. I remember when. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. just so fascinating. Yeah. But now the but the accident itself, when you did yes. it, okay. you did suffer the traumatic brain. Yeah, damage. so I fall. I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite kitchen island. I have a five and a half inch skull fracture that goes up. I have a brain bleed. I lost my taste, my smell, part of my hearing, part of my vision, and my equilibrium. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. as a side note, I also broke my arm. That was the easiest thing <laughs> to recover yeah. from, right? Um, and so what happens then... <clears throat> is obviously my um, older, my daughter who was eight called 911. My son had tried to call, but his call had not gone through, we believed. And so they got me to the hospital and they did, you know, the CAT scan and all of that. I literally survived that fall by half an inch because I missed my brainstem by half an inch. And I knew that was that beautiful angel I knew when I saw that angel, it was the difference of, oh, I'm going home. Here's my free ride home, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Or they're going to fix it so that I could stay. It truly moved my head half an inch, which was the difference of me surviving that fall. So. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and it took a long um, time for me to actually, I mean, I was in the hospital for over a week. I was, I mean, there was a lot, right? It took, I needed help to walk from the bed to the bathroom. There was so much um, physical recovery that I needed. Yeah. So what, what this led to, at this point in time, yes, I knew what happened, I remembered it, but it was truly all I could do to focus on just my physical needs and healing and um, the therapies I had to go to and you know whatever this was. So in January, 2012. So this is just a couple of months later, my son who was five at the time started getting really depressed because he would say my 911 call didn't go through. There was, I didn't help you. And, and we would say, honey, you opened the door for the policeman. You did help. He would tell me, my mm -hmm. mom, my mother-in-law, there was nothing we could say that would mm -hmm. make him feel like he helped. He would even say, I didn't need to be there. Sophie, Sophie could have done this without me. And Aww. it was very hard. At the end of mm -hmm. January 2012, usually when I connect with spirit, they do not literally manifest in front of me. The end of January 2012, my grandfather, who passed away when I was 12, manifested to me in my kitchen. And that was my first huge experience since my head injury. He talked to me about my accident. He talked to me about my son being good with electronics. They had never walked this earth together, right? And yeah. then when he was getting ready to leave, one of the things that catches me about that too is when I first saw him, I said to him, 
it's been so long since I've seen you. I was 38 when this happened. He died when I was 12, right? And I said, it's been so long since I've seen you. And he said, I knew it would seem like that to you. And I was like, oh, like I felt that in my humanness. It's been all of these years. And he's kind of like, I see you every day. What do you mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And to them, time isn't the same. Exactly. Yeah. And and neither is the feeling. They don't feel disconnected from us. We feel disconnected from them. But he was like talking to me about my son who was five. They never met, telling me he's good with electronics. So before he left this visit, he said to me, he said, you need to get the 911 recording. There's something on there you should know. I didn't even know I could get it. I hadn't thought about it. Nothing, nothing. So I was like, well, I better go get that. I mean, this is clearly a big deal, right? So I order it. It takes a couple of weeks to come in. I get it. I play it. And it says 911, which, you know, I, the first one comes on 911, what's your emergency? And in my son's little broken voice, he says, Sophie, what do I say? And he lays the phone down. And for the next minute and a half, they are trying to get the kid's attention. And they're saying, can you hear us? What's happening? 911. And you, so he called right as the trauma happened and wow. had literally forgot his call went through because he was so overwhelmed in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. so for a minute and a half, they tried to get their attention. And then he tells her, I'm going to go push the house panic alarm button. And she says to him, hold on, let me try calling 911. She hangs up the phone and then her call went through and they dispatched her to the fire department and they were talking to her and saying, honey, what's your mom doing? What happened? It was unbelievable. So my five-year-old comes home from kindergarten that day and I say, Josh, I said, your call went through. Help was coming. And it was like I had lifted a 10,000 pound. I have the biggest chills in my entire body right now. It is just. Yes. Off this five-year-old little boy. And you could see his sense of self-worth. And I've helped you. And the help was coming. Like come flooding right back in. Had my grandpa not come through, I would have never had that knowledge. I thought about it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, because that's life-changing for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, because now if you think about it, you could have like a thing going on in your head, two parallel lives. Right. What if this didn't happen? And what if it did, you know, as it did, you know, so the direction he's going in now, you know, that you just veered him right onto the right path. And, you know, thanks, Grandpa. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Grandpa. So then after that, I would start getting what I would call more messages for people because they had been pretty much between me and my grandma and my grandpa and like pretty close. But then I had a friend whose husband passed from suicide. He came through and gave me a huge message for her. And so I started having this happen more often. So like any good mom, I'm like, well, I better go to counseling. I think I could be crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> what am I, right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? All moms are to a certain Yeah, exactly. You have to be. That's how you survive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I, so luckily, as spirit would have it, they guided me to the right counselor who said, oh, Michelle, this is a gift. We've got to find you a mentor. So then I started mentoring and learning how to use this gift, how to navigate, how to, because I didn't really feel like I had control over it. It would just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I started learning how to use it and, and it, and it became life-changing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I got. I want to put this um this comment from Vernon up here because it's it's pretty good. I had a similar experience yeah. when I was on life support for nine days, which I can never remember any of that. But what I do remember was that my grandmother, who was Cherokee Indian, um, and as I looked past her, all you saw were rows of Cherokee ancestors as far as the eye could see. And they were chanting and beating drums as my grandmother starts telling me, you are safe, no evil can harm you. You're protected by the great spirit and great and his warriors. But the whole time my grandmother wouldn't allow me to what? Yes. Wouldn't allow you to what? You have to finish that. (laughs) (laughs) You give up. But but that's true, though. The ancestors, all your ancestors, all your loved ones, all that are there. Before we get into that, I want to ask you another question, though, um, because you just mentioned that, that, you know, someone that had died from suicide. Mm-hmm. What, you know, because we're taught you're Catholics, you know. You, you, oh, you're yeah. Ours raised Catholic. Yeah. You're going to go to hell <laughs> or you commit suicide, you know. So I don't know if you actually go to hell, but I don't think you, I think you have to do something. So what do you think happens to the soul that commits suicide? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great question. I've read from many, many parents who have had kids that have transitioned by suicide. I can tell you this, they are all alive and well and healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, listen, I've never had someone come through and say, as I transitioned myself by suicide, I was completely in my right mind. That's not how that works. No one leaves when they're completely in their right mind. So number one, that needs to be taken into account. The second thing is that when in my three near-death experiences, never once was I judged, told I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy, shame on me, I should have listened, the first near-death experience, whatever, whatever. It was always about love and compassion. And that's truly mm-hmm. what God is. So the idea that somebody who was having a really hard time in life would show up and not be greeted with love and compassion, does it's not real. They are always yeah, no. greeted with love and compassion. And they are yeah. better than okay. 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 So we have the rest of the story now. Mm-hmm. So says, all right. So the wouldn't allow me to, wouldn't allow me to touch her. She said it wasn't my time yet. And that um, he needs to finish what he'd started and to help those he felt needed to be helped. But as long as he was coming back, I've he's seen every family member that has passed waving him off as he started to wake up. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So so they know, they knew that you weren't going to stay, but mm-hmm. you know, you're getting a wonderful message. They gave him no choice. They're, they're waiting for you. They'll be there when you get there in your time. Absolutely. So Just a little, com- my, my comment on, on suicide. Um, many, many years ago, when I was young and foolish and didn't know better. Um, I used to think uh, suicide was a selfish thing because people didn't think about who they left behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up and, you know, things happened in the brain. And I, I think it's a choice. And as much as they're hurting, because uh, I lost a, a very dear man not too long ago, a couple of years, and he was in so much pain and he could not find any relief for his pain, physical pain, mental pain, and, and, and spiritual pain. And he, it was his choice. He let he said goodbye to a, a few people. I was one of them. 
and and he apologized and I was like at first it was like why are you apologizing and it didn't it didn't hit me until you know it everything was over and done with but it was his choice he chose to leave the way he wanted to because he couldn't take the pain that he was going through now and that's what a lot of people think like I said when I was younger I used to think it's a you know it's a selfish choice you don't think mm-hmm. about who you're leaving behind but we who are left behind don't think about what they were going through at the time to make that choice yeah. and it may not be like you said it may not they weren't you know they weren't as 100% you know back to normal type of thing that was just something that they had to do they had no choice because that was the only choice that they saw yeah i i my thoughts on this subject now though um not coming from a Catholic place, however, mm-hmm. yeah. coming from a place of reason. Okay, um, yeah. If you die, if you have an NDE and you get that little glimpse, like, oh, well, life is so much better over there. Then why am I here? Okay, but you mm-hmm. are here for right. a very distinct reason. You need to finish why you are here to have a better life over there. Okay, so I think if you end this abruptly and you go over there, you're you're missing out. Right, you're you're not to your full potential over there. I don't think you're gonna, you know, you you getting the access that you would. Someone who has fulfilled their life here. So yeah. it's like, like it, you know what I mean? Kind of not purgatory, but kind of like that. Like a, you know, you, you may have to go through something. Let's know? describe it like this. It's like showing up to graduation. You didn't take the classes. You don't get the diploma, but you still get to come to the graduation party. Right. Right. So, no. Yes. Your soul did come here with a plan and a mission. And I do not believe anyone's soul plans on leaving by suicide. I really don't. I think life happens. And I would say in this, I would never encourage it. We always have options and opportunities. Right. Having said that, though, I don't believe you're punished if you choose to leave that way. Yeah, no. But you don't no. get the diploma no. just no, because not, you yeah. show not, up not, at gradu- yeah. graduation. Not, I, don't, yes. I don't think you're going to hell. All right. I don't think right. there's a heaven and a hell. I just think that there are different realms. And I think, right. you know, you can, pa- you know, like we start out here and you can pass your way and get your way way to the end. I think that's right. how it progresses. And even after we, we leave here, you know, like right. you're going to be 